welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Clean Tech Talk is brought to you by Voltus, a leading technology platform connecting distributed energy resources to electricity markets, delivering less expensive, more reliable, and more sustainable electricity. Voltus is on a mission to help solve the climate crisis by unlocking the full value of distributed energy resources, and we want your help getting there. To view our open positions, visit voltus.co slash cleantechnica. That's www.voltus.co forward slash cleantechnica. We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, and today we're talking with Rodney Hooper of RK Equity for a EV battery mineral and mining update. Rodney, how are you doing? Good, good, thank you. Good to see you again, Zach. How are you doing? Very good. So what's the biggest, what's the biggest news in the EV battery mineral and mining world at the moment? I don't know. There's a lot to choose from. Um, <laughs> I, I can't exactly remember when we last chatted, but you know, EV sales yeah. are certainly uh, on. I think it was the end of winter or beginning of spring this year, maybe. Okay, so EV sales are are still as strong as ever. I think uh, some of the themes that you've seen is that, given the expected uh, demand and growth across a number of manufacturers, you've seen quite a lot of inventory build across the supply chain. So. Everyone's scrambling for raw materials and for battery cells in order to have um, enough supply. I think, uh, you know, COVID, the impacts of COVID and, and shipping rates and all of those things has meant that people are trying to fill up a bit on inventory. I guess the other thing, because uh, if you think about it, you know, previously it was just Tesla that, you know, was pushing aggressively to sell EVs, but now literally every OEM has hitched its wagon to EVs. So they're all now being watched very closely if they are going to uh, you know, sort out their supply chains and sell enough EVs because they've had a re-rating and now it's important that they actually deliver on those promises. You get the impression that, that the perceptions in the market have changed a lot. Like, you know, I guess it's easier when something seems a decade away to say, oh, we'll put it off. But it sort of feels like companies realize in six years, they might have a really hard time selling petrol powered or diesel powered cars. I had an article a week ago, I think it was so, so it was Windows. I mean, basically, when does the fossil fuel vehicle market collapse? not when does the EV market get to what it needs to be because the fossil fuel market will collapse, I think, before the EV market can get to where it needs to be because there won't be enough supply of batteries. But at the same time, companies and people will realize, oh, no point in buying a new petrol car. Do you think that's sort of the, <laughs> the word on the street? I, I, would, I would agree with that. Just anecdotally, you know, since I've, I'm, I'm sitting in, in London at the moment, and, and since I've been here, I don't think I've seen a fossil fuel car advert. I've only seen electric car adverts or plug-in hybrids or some version of that. So if you remember, there was quite a lot of resistance in the OEMs to even get, you know, salesmen on the showroom floor and about whether they were pushing it. Now you literally only see 
EV adverts and everywhere you walk in London, there's parking bays that are electric vehicle only and that kind of thing, you know, linked up. So when you look at surveys, people are now saying, when they're asking people who are looking to buy a new car in the next 12 months, how many of them are seriously considering an EV? That number is completely out of whack with the production capacity of EVs versus where I saw. So it's what you're saying, but we're already seeing it now. If you look at some delivery timelines for Tesla, it's you're talking 2022 already and others. So I think you've hit the nail on the head. And the thing is, I guess that we've all got to take note of is this is happening in 2021. We haven't even yeah. got to the point where you know, battery cell prices and, you know, whole, you know, large scale manufacturing and gigapresses, et cetera, are in full flight where EVs are materially cheaper. So I think you are, are right in that. I think people's perception and conceptually what consumers are now being, are now prepared to look at and consider has shifted so rapidly, but, you know, the supplier just don't think it will be able to match for some time now. Well, that's, yeah, so let's, we'll get into that. So, I mean, one thing, you know, vehicle development timelines are something like six to eight years. So, so automakers have to be thinking, okay, this is where we are right now. Where will we be in six to eight years? And I've heard people say that, you know, basically at that level of automotive design, nobody's talking about non-plug-in vehicles anymore. Like no, like the automakers don't, they're every, every, every vehicle that's in development in an early stage is, is a plug-in vehicle. It sounds like, I think from what I sort of have gathered from people, but the concern that we, we always have that you, you get to talk to me about is the mining timeline is longer than that timeline. And, you know, so it's a, a rare case where the industry needs to be thinking about you know, beyond six to eight years, they're, they're, um, how they're going to get material. So have you seen any shift in how automakers seem to be approaching battery supplies eight, nine, 10 years out? Yeah, or there's I, no I sign don't... of that. So I, I you know, at the moment, uh, you've, you've seen some offtake agreements being signed with lithium companies. GM has, has gone and some of the others have gone the route of going sort of knee-jerking and going the zero-carbon route. So they've signed with some geothermal projects and so on. But timelines on these projects are tough. The quickest way to get lithium to market is hard rock mining and then having converters, and a lot of them are in China or elsewhere. That is the quickest way to do it. I'd say the second quickest way is brine. But then again, it depends whether you use a DLE or you use evaporation. If you're using a pond, that takes time because you need to fill those up and then process it and then ramp and then, you know, qualify it. So OEMs are reacting, um, but I still think that they don't fully comprehend and it's not just lithium, it's nickel, it's everything else. And even if you shift to LFP, you know, that can use either carbonate or hydroxide. It's, it's more preferred uh, in the carbonate, but still, you are reliant uh, largely, you know, carbonate brine is the cheapest. So that timeline you, you're beholden to. Um, and spodumin to carbonate, uh, you know, conversion in, in China is a sort of swing producer in that. So I do think they have a deeper understanding, but I don't think 
that they have a realistic view on timelines. So what you're seeing now is, and including Tesla, is uh, people are literally playing Tetris with the battery cell supply is whatever you can find that's acceptable for the car and you can put it in, you take. And we're already there again, and we're at what this year? 5.2 to 6 million EVs, maybe, is the number, on our way to 40 in 2030. So, look, you know, a lot of commodities are reaching incentive pricing. Certainly, lithium is getting there, and it's kind of there now. So, um, the problem is obviously is whether or not OEMs are prepared to pay that price or the battery cell manufacturers. But it's kind of the number that you needed, you know, there's a disconnect between what they want to pay and where lithium prices have been. And then when you look at the financials of lithium companies, a lot of people, you know, it's one thing to look at a feasibility study, but if you actually pass through the, 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 the disclosed financials of lithium companies, how much free cash flow do they make? How much spare money do they have to reinvest to expand production? There's a big disconnect still. So, you know, and, and where do you think that hits the like at what year do you think that sort of starts hitting quite seriously the production capacities or well, it's already there now? Yeah, so that's from, next year, from next year, you've got a problem. But I'm saying, you know, you can, there are some projects, it depends, like Wajina, which is the, the JV between mineral resources and Albemarle, that could restart, restart in a year and have, um, 100,000 tons equivalent of hydroxide in that one mine. Um, they haven't pulled the trigger on that because they want to process it internally. So it, it will depend on how some things kind of play out. But as I say, in the, in the back of everyone's minds should be the reality that if an OEM has now committed to an electrification strategy and they're spending tens of billions of dollars in their production streamlining and in the downstream processing of and, and production of those vehicles, then it's not optional that they don't get supplied the necessary raw materials and get the battery cells. Or if they don't, of course, they're going to have a huge problem. I guess the, 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 where the rubber meets the road is how profitably can you make an EV at this point in time? And I think that's kind of tough. I think the truth of that is, you know, Tesla set the blueprint on that with the casting and the, you know, mass production and, and, and all of that. So, uh, you know, I but think... They've, they, but they've also sort of set a kind of Usain Bolt kind of target where, <laughs> yeah, everybody would love to run that fast, but they can't. So it's like, so what's a more realistic, you know, option for, for automakers that can't really do that, you know, follow... I mean, nobody can really follow exactly. But I'll ask one... Uh, one thing so, on I that. I mean, my, my thesis is I keep hearing this, this talk about cheaper EVs and, you know, the Model 2 and the this and the that. I don't understand why any OEM, including Tesla, would cannibalize into their higher margin, higher value EVs when, you know, the lower EV market isn't profitable. I don't understand why VW would take precious production capacity and sell low-end cars unless there's some compliance angle or something that they see. It makes more sense to defend your higher, you know, your higher upper end where there is a margin, where, you know, it, it makes sense. And 
adoption only, always happens at that level. And there's only so many batteries anyway, so you know you're gonna have a limited uh, output. Well, so that well, that's that's gets to the question I was gonna ask, which is basically you know we we always talk about oh the prices have been coming down for years; they keep coming down as range keeps going up. We're gonna have really affordable long-range EVs in a few years. Is that a, is that a mistaken idea? Because the fact is that the, you know we had sort of a, a lot of supply of minerals. That supply has been going down. Prices will be going up at least for the midterm. Is it is it a mistaken sort of dream that we're going to have low cost, long range electric cars in a few years? Or yeah, or am I misunderstanding the sort of the way the battery pricing market is trending? So. You know that is the use case for LFP, which is you know where where Tesla is going is it's lithium-ion phosphate. You've still got to have carbonate in there. I still have some questions around performance in very cold environments and uh, recycling economics outside of China. But you know that you know that I guess is you know people have leaned towards there, but there is still. An argument for mass production and some processes. If you look at at some of the new battery cell plants, are looking to reduce the number of processes and you know the wet processing and so on and and, and reducing the cost. So you can never so that, get around so the incremental material costs. But you yeah, can, well, exactly. Yeah, so the incremental improvements may keep us on the trend, but it might just slow down the, the lower, the dropping cost of EVs. Yeah, I mean, in the end, you can't or... get past raw materials, but if you look at some of the new things, and I think Freya is one of them, you know, they are looking to remove some of the steps as well in terms of, of the production processes. So those will Who was lower that? cost. Freya in, uh, in, in uh, you know, and they have uh, low cost uh, power, you know, hydro power in, in Norway. So, you know, those kind of things can help, but you eventually baseline on the raw materials and, and some of the and some of the fixed costing. But there are ways of of uh, trimming those down. And you're seeing all of the guys look at that, including Tesla. So you can keep on the track. But I, I think until you, you know, you're getting there. But at the, at the moment, raw materials will push up against it. So, yes, you're right. We are probably going to see a slowdown in, in battery cell cost reductions. But there are still ways to keep the, the direction down. I just, you know, are you going to get to the sort of numbers we've seen bandied about, you know, we've already seen some question marks being raised about some of the things that dry, you know, the dry processing and so on. That's come up as a question. Clean Tech Talk is brought to you by Voltus, a leading technology platform connecting distributed energy resources to electricity markets, delivering less expensive, more reliable, and more sustainable electricity. Voltus is on a mission to help solve the climate crisis by unlocking the full value of distributed energy resources, and we want your help getting there. To view our open positions, visit voltus.co slash cleantechnica. That's www.voltus.co forward slash cleantechnica. So, yeah. yeah, I was going to jump to some to something else sort of Tesla related, but actually let's go ahead and jump to this. You know, we had battery day like a year ago, Tesla battery day. And, you know, people are always asking what's the progress, what's going on. And not many people really have any insight into what's happened since then, like how, how much anything is being achieved, uh, those targets. Do you have any insight into any of the kind of Tesla battery day announcements and what's happened since then that's notable? 
Yeah, look, they, they, they flagged a couple of things and they said it wasn't you know, necessarily the holy grail, but I guess the timelines, it's always difficult to make the, you know, the forecasts on these things. Um, you know, in terms of, of uh, you know, Tesla making you know, lithium internally or having the cathode plant internally, that's on a slower timeline, I think, than, than what they'd hoped. But that's, I mean, I guess they've got a lot of problems to solve. In the battery reduction cost, you know, again, they are in the end, the volumes are so big. So they've gone out to their suppliers and new suppliers to ask them, which tells you, you know, they're, they're seeing an enormous demand. And we've seen the semi truck get pushed out because that would be a. Yeah, I almost brought that up. I almost brought that up earlier because I think you and I both were very eager for this. And, and, and you know, that the, the, the former president of Tesla, who we interviewed a couple of years ago, Jerome Guillen, a long time at the company, he, this was his project. When he started, when he came back from a time off, Elon asked him, he told us this in an interview, you know, what do you want to do? And he's like, I want to do a semi truck. And he's like, okay, do it, go for it. And, and, you know, like this was his project and look, everything looks great on it, but he left the company about six months ago or something, a few months ago. And I, I just, it's my, you know, I don't have any insight, but my, my impression is Maybe it's because this program keeps getting delayed and he really wants to get it off the ground, but they don't have enough batteries for it or something. But yeah, I almost brought it up because of all of those issues that, you know, that you, I think you and I are very eager to see it get off the ground, but I assume it's batteries that are delaying it. It is. And also you've got to remember that, uh, you know, I think the semi, if I'm not mistaken, needs sort of five, six, 800 kilowatt hours. You're selling it at best for $200,000, $250,000 is what he mentioned. You know, how many, you know, uh, Cybertrucks can you make with that same number of cells and, and how far? And also, I don't think they've quite got there. The 4680, is that ready? Isn't that ready? You know, you're hearing it's the last 10%. They're still sort of reiterating that by the end of next year, I think they'll be up to an annualized run rate would be my guess of about 100 gigawatt hours. But there's work to be done. It's it's a very high performance battery cell. They've got others on it, but economically, again, in the same way, I can't see that other OEMs would cannibalize their production lines on other EVs to sell low value vehicles. And in the same way, why would Tesla, you know, make semis if they if they can't make the margin on it that they can? And and we've had this conversation before on Cybertruck. I think it's going to be a hit. Um, yeah, they can't even get the Cybertruck out this year because of, you know, limited supplies and high Model Y demand and, and Model 3 demand. And so, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it seems like that's the only thing that, well, I don't know. I mean, there might be other things delaying the Cybertruck. It seems they're not 100% done with the design either. Yeah, you know, there's someone's raised a couple of questions on that. Again, you know, you want to be able to mass produce and it's back to Elon's own words, production hell and difficulties on that, you know, make huge respect for people who actually do the high capacity manufacturing is is harder than it looks. So I think which is, we've got the which three is, and the Y sorted out and China's producing yeah. great numbers. And we just we just published an article uh, about uh, Elon's five, uh, something like five uh, engineering process requirements, like the, the, the five steps you have to take in that order to succeed. 
and he was laughing joking that they that he specifically has gone in the opposite order the the wrong the reverse order with the model 3 and so, so i think he he's trying to be i think very careful that the cybertruck is 100% ready for rolling into a mass production ramp up i don't know but uh, yeah so, there is know. mass demand right i mean i think they could make 250,000 of those a year no problem and sell them all there you go so i guess you know not and and so each each company has its own challenges i guess uh, you know each ev company but uh, you know again we're seeing recalls on some vehicles i see the bolt now um so it's yeah. it's you know and these are expensive challenges that you've, you you really want to try and try and avoid but i think on the so, he's done what i expected him to do is it's they're calling they're calling all pockets you know they've they've gone to all of the suppliers they right. tapping on CATL for the LFP they you know on the high nickel you know Tesla's done a deal with BHP they did a, a, a deal with uh, BHP in Nickel West and then BHP is now bought Neurant in, in in Canada and I think Tesla's formula is they like to deal with the major companies that's what they prefer and they tweeted about a client of ours as well you know with Mentioning Rio because Rio's will ultimately have a forty percent stake in Talon. Oh, sorry, in the Tamarack project with Talon. Um, you know, for nickel in Minnesota. So yeah, they, but, they they're asking. They, they you know they you know they but they do like to they do prefer to deal with established players. And I think the same can be said of sales. They like to go to the companies they know can deliver. Yeah, I think probably had enough headaches on that getting things so to a few kind of rapid fire questions then any any up, quick update on the dry electro dry electrode topic yeah so that it's uh, that, that he sort of tweeted and said it's not the holy grail and whatever so he was back he was backstepping a little bit there because i thought they sold the company uh, that they bought originally uh, um, maxwell yeah maxwell they they, they yeah. sold that back out and that was i thought the sort of the blueprint for the dry electric. Well, I, I what I was... saw, and I saw this speculated beforehand, before when they, they were going to buy it, was that there was a, they had patented, they had, they had patented kind of manufacturing process for batteries or, or, or maybe it was even for supercapacitors. And, and basically the idea was that Tesla wanted that, they wanted that production. They My understanding to use... was that the, the that the the footprint, the size of what you needed, so with their new internal cell production capacity, with the dry, with the dry process, you reduce the footprint that you need because the wet uses a lot of a lot of space and a, a lot of, uh, you know, it had a big footprint and that was other than cost and timing, but it cut down it cut down the footprint by like ninety percent or something in that sort of region so yeah it's hard to so i mean i i got the impression that they they got what they wanted they kept that and they sold the rest of the company back out but there is also a question if they were disappointed by anything they they were intending to get so okay Look, I we'll mean, move. again the it's be- all the speculation beauty, the beauty of of the, the one thing i i guess uh, you know that i like about tesla is if they're no holy cows there are no sacred cows in it they go and if it doesn't they evolve whereas other people try and stick and try and 
spend time saying we weren't wrong. I mean, that's what a lot of companies do so, is they're trying to some solid state, some solid state battery development, some hydrogen focus. Yeah, yeah. So, so my guess is they they will be trying different avenues and they'll get it right. But again, it's it's hard. I mean, to give a definitive timeline, but. The 4680 so the, is the major catalyst, I think, for the cyber and the semi. I think they kind of need that. They've got others working on it. But you need, if you're going to make money out of the semi, you're going to need to have the 4680 firing and you're going to need to be doing it with a lot of those cost savings that they put up on battery day to make it worthwhile. Otherwise, the semi could be on ice for some time. Yeah, that was always the mind-blowing thing. The, the, I think the most mind-blowing thing, and I think we talked about it as well, at the Cybertruck reveal was the pricing on uh, on the truck, especially the long-range version. Well, the other so the other quick-fire topic for, regarding that is the clay, uh, getting lithium from clay kind of idea. Do you have any, yeah, <laughs> any look, insight I've, on I've, what's I've happened? looked through the patent. I've spoken to people above my pay grade who sort of understand you know, better, you know, I guess the question is, you know, can you successfully do selective leaching using sodium and water and, you know, versus non-selective sulfuric acid, which is what the sort of proven inverted commas or established preferred flow sheet is. Now, it makes a lot of sense because I don't think, you know, you know, Tesla was keen to have three parts, you know, sulfur and one part clay, you know, going through the process because you need a lot of sulfuric acid, right, to do it, which is not, you know, it's not ideal. Uh, you know, people aren't that keen on it, but it is effective. So can you scale from what they've done at a sort of a small scale with that, uh, you know, I don't know, like a kind of modified ball mill or whatever it is and, and, and using that methodology, it remains to be seen. Suffice it to say that the industry is skeptical. Um, so the industry was skeptical at the beginning. Have you seen the greater? They're still skeptical now. So that just, now yeah. that he's released the patent, they're yeah. still. They're my like... thing is, I, I guess the, the only thing I would say is using sulfuric acid, you know, the, the, the estimated operating cost is, I don't know, three and a half, four thousand dollars a ton, even if it's a bit more. Tesla's objective was to cut the cost of lithium by a third in doing this, which means if we assume that $12,000 a ton was the price at the time, which it, let's call it that, at battery day, they're shooting for eight. Now, can they have double the operating cost but do it on an environmentally highly sensitive basis and, you know, achieve what he's trying to do um, and have it in-house? Because even though it's double the operating cost of others, it, it doesn't matter because the value add continues down the line once they have it. They, you know, they're going to use it internally. So... I, it, it will be interesting to see if he can scale. I, I still have, you know, there's still some questions on it, but I understand that they have a very big team working on it. So let's keep an eye on it. But have I seen anything beyond the lab effectively or small scale? No. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. Thank you.
If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Yeah, 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 yeah.